Brother Ali shares the gospel inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's a very dangerous calling. But Brother Ali is prepared for any persecution that may come for the sake of the gospel. You know, suffering is not a bad thing. You know, we have to learn how to suffer well. You know, if Jesus suffered, we're going to suffer. You know, we only have one life to live. Let's live it. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We have a special privilege this week here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. I'm going to be talking with a man who is doing gospel work inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, because he is doing that work, we have to protect his identity. We're just calling him Brother Ali. We're also disguising his voice. So if it sounds a little bit funny, yes, that's intentional. It's supposed to sound that way. I hope you're prepared for a fresh perspective on what's happening inside Iran and how we can pray for the church in that country. You know, COVID hit Iran very hard earlier this year. It is spiking back up again right now. The United States reimposed economic sanctions against Iran. And I asked Brother Ali how these different world situations are affecting the average Iranian right now. Well, let's let me take it a step back, uh, Todd. Let me let me give you the update of the year. So I say this: 2020 literally started off with a bang. Trump kills Qasem Soleimani, and we shoot a plane down, and we shoot 11 missiles inside of Iraq. And as we're mourning for 40 days because of the general's death. COVID hits, and as COVID is peaking, we have an infestation of locusts, of biblical proportions. I'm talking about billions of locusts. And then a couple months later, an earthquake hits Tehran, and we're only in August right now. What is the attitude of, of the average Iranian? I mean, do they just feel like one thing after another, after another, after another? How are they responding? You know, the average people on the street feel like they they're cursed. And as you remember, and I, I believe you've also talked about last year during the revolution, when they had the Israel flag and the American flag on the ground, people wouldn't jump over it anymore. People wouldn't stomp on it anymore. Why? Because they said for 40 years, we've been cursing these two countries, but our country's cursed. So back to what's happening, they, they can feel it. They can sense it. They can see it that Iran is cursed. You know, there's nothing going right. There's no opportunity. There's no hope. There's just helplessness and suicide and drug use has skyrocketed. After the Islamic Revolution, the Iranian government, basically it is Islam. It's the mullahs who are leading the government. When the people are frustrated with their country and they look at their country and say, we're cursed, do they associate that with the Islamic government, do they associate that with following Islam as an entire nation? Yes, because when Imam Khomeini came in 1979, he said, I'm going to rule the country through Islamic law because I am an Ayatollah and I can do that. And a utopia will be on this earth through my ruling. 
Well, after 40 years of his ruling and the Islamic Republic ruling, Iran has had the worst decimation as a, as a people since, you know, 5,000 years. You know, remember, Persia used to be a world empire. You know, now we, we have the second to worst passport in the world. We can't even go anywhere. So in the midst of all the changes, and you talked about 2020 and the attacks and uh, COVID, how, how does your ministry look different than it did 12 months ago in 2019? Well, you know, we're in a COVID world, you know, so a lot of it has gone, you know, the churches have gone online. And this is why Iran has now uh, made laws that if you meet online, you will get arrested. So, you know, the Iranian government knows that we're meeting online, but, you know, you can't stop it. And also to move the kingdom forward, we're using um, more creative ways because no one wants to talk to you anymore on the streets because of COVID. But God has given us a strategy to be able to reach the people, to move the kingdom forward, to even go into the, the far regions of Iran that no one has gone to, to spread the gospel. But unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, Iran is under sanctions. And, you know, we went from a, an exchange rate basically from three to one to 30 to one in the last eight months. And, you know, because of the sanctions, there's no medicine inside of Iran. You know, we can't buy vitamins. And because of that, you know, the last week, I know for sure, but I want to say the last three weeks, Iran has had the highest death since COVID attacked Iran. The last three weeks, every day it's made a record. And, you know, people are terrified and people are scared. Um, I was just talking to my leaders and they said Tehran is on straight lockdown, which means you cannot leave your house now. If you leave your house, you will be fined because COVID has hit Tehran so hard. So ministry has definitely changed, but like I said, God has given us a strategy, but it's been very difficult to minister because everything has gone so expensive. Is there a, and I've, I think particularly of those online meetings, uh, we've heard some reports from other Middle Eastern countries that there is a lot of interest online. And I think somewhat it's people are isolated. You know, they're locked in at their house. They don't have anyone else to talk to. Also, they don't have to worry about their Muslim neighbors or whatever seeing that they're asking questions about the gospel or they're asking questions about Jesus. Are you seeing that in Iran as well, that even though you can't maybe meet in person, there's a lot of interactions online where there are opportunities to to witness and even evangelize oh yes and also through satellite right now it's online and satellite you're right everyone is stuck home they're either turning on the tv or playing on their cell phones you're right completely one of the things that you talked about the last time and actually you've talked about it a little bit already is is a strategy and when we talked about it and we'll talk later in, in this half hour about how people can pray. The last time I asked you, okay, how can people pray for Iran? You talked about, we need a strategy. We need the Lord to help us develop a strategy to work during these all this upheaval. Talk a little bit more about how God answered that prayer because you, you've said God did give you a strategy. He did answer that prayer. And I, I know you may not be able to say exactly what that strategy was or how, or how you're carrying it out, but talk a little bit about that answer to prayer. Well, you know, we fasted for 63 days and the Lord did give us a strategy and he gave us very specific access ministries. 
that we can do in the cities, in the towns, and in the villages. And we can use this access ministry to present the gospel, to disciple them to leadership. And um, it's working. You know, we went to some places inside of Iran and we've tested out. And um, we're going to continue implementing this strategy. And we're super excited about this. And also a marketplace strategy. Because, you know, once again, people still have to be in the marketplace. People still have to work. People still have to buy goods, sell goods. And he's given us a marketplace strategy uh, that we can go into people's homes, become very good friends with them, and be able to spread the gospel this way. Can you tell us some of the stories of how you have seen God work in this year, even you know, with with the boom and with COVID and with everything, can you just share some of the stories of, of how you've seen God's hand at work? So two of my leaders, they got COVID and they were in the hospital and they said they were sleeping one night and they were feeling really bad. They were really sick. Um, they had a pretty bad, severe case of COVID. And all of a sudden Jesus comes up to them and gives them living water. And now the crazy part of this story is both of them see the same dream. Both of them see Jesus. For both of them, Jesus comes and gives them water, and he says to them, get up, you're healed. And they both came to my house. They're in different hospitals, mind you, and they came to my house hours hours apart. Same dream, same exact scenario, and the Lord says, get up, We we have work to do, get up. So they got completely healed of COVID, like no signs of COVID. They went and did a PCR test. The next day, they were negative. And I couldn't believe it. God, let me tell you this, Todd. If if you're looking at COVID as an obstacle to spreading the gospel, then you don't have the strategy from the Lord because COVID is actually the catalyst to spread the gospel. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because that we have heard that story again and again and again from around the world where people are saying, hey, Yes, we didn't want COVID, but boy, there are some amazing opportunities in the midst of it. Uh, what what are some other stories of how God has worked? Wow. Well, um, because of COVID, um, we were, we went and brought food to a area that basically was landlocked. Like, there's no way of getting food there, and everything got the price skyrocketed. So, as we're passing out food, one of these imams says, "What are you doing?" And we're saying, no, we just want to pass out food. God told us to pass out food. And he was shocked. He's like, no one has helped us. You know, no government officials has helped us. No one, you know, from Islam has helped us. You have come to help us. Why? Well, we told them it's because God loves you and God wanted us to help us. Well, soon after a few weeks, we start presenting the gospel. That night, when we start presenting the gospel, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus and he says, I am the one who sent these people to help you. And then he came up to us and tell me, he said to us, who is this Jesus? He is the one who sent sent you guys. And we said, yes, what happened? Tell us. And he told us. And because the imam was the, was the elder of the village, over 250 people that day came to Christ because he came to Christ. Wow. Praise yeah. the Lord. I was, I was in shock. You know, once again, God is coming in dreams and visions and power encounters. He's making a mess of the country, and we're just a cleanup crew. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. Our guest today is Brother Ali. For his security, we're not using his real name, and we're also disguising his voice. So if it sounds a little bit funny to you, it is supposed to. Brother Ali has been sharing what life is like inside Iran 
right now at the end of 2020, in the middle of so many challenges, people are coming to know Jesus Christ inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's great news. I asked Brother Ali, though, what kind of persecution these new believers may face. If I remember correctly, in the month of July, I think 14 people got arrested by the IRGC. So they are going after Christians hardcore. I mean, it's no joke still. It's still very evident. They're looking for us. You know, they're looking for all of us. They want to get us. Um, they want to arrest us. They, you know, torture is still a technique they use. You know, psychological torture, physical torture, sexual torture. I mean, they, you know, the Iranian government knows they're in a losing battle. And they're in, it's like an animal that's been wounded. All it wants to do is pounce. And we're looking for an opportunity to pounce. So persecution is still very hot and very relevant. What do you do as a leader, and especially as you're working with your other leaders, to get them ready for that? I mean, to, to get them to understand what it could cost them and to be ready to pay that price. Well, you know, Iran is a little bit different in the sense in like a Western country or even America because, you know, in Iran, to follow Jesus, there's a price and everyone knows it and it's very obvious. And it's not like in America where Jesus is an upgrade or an add-on. No, Jesus is not an upgrade or add-on. There is a cost to following Christ. So everyone knows the cost right off the bat because immediately there could be persecution from your family, friends, job, everywhere. And it could happen, you know, instantaneously. You know, they're ready because, you know, they're seeing God. You know, they're seeing the magnificence of Lord Jesus. You know, they're seeing the sweet aroma of Jesus in people's lives. I mean, how can you not want to die for someone who's already died for you? I mean, martyrism is an honor, not a tragedy. How easily do your leaders pick up that spirit? I mean, you mentioned the fact that, yes, they know there's a price to be paid for following Christ, uh, in some cases, you know, they've had family persecution, they've had, but but that idea of laying down your life and seeing that as an honor, is that something that they grab a hold of very quickly? Or is that something that the Lord kind of works on them and you train them up towards that over time? Yeah, I, I believe it's number two. You know, I don't think any of us, when we first come to Christ, say, okay, I think I want to die for him now. But as you fall more in love with him, you know, and then, you know, I talk about the theology of suffering. You know, suffering is not a bad thing. You know, we have to learn how to suffer well. You know, if Jesus suffered, we're going to suffer. There's so many verses in the Old and the New Testament about suffering. And unfortunately, in the West, and especially in America, suffering is not spoken of. And if you even suffer, if you're not healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, God isn't with you. Well, that kind of theology doesn't work, you know, in Iran, because that's who we are, and that's where we are. And so, as they fall in love with the Lord, Todd, it's like a relationship. I know you're married, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm married, and, you know, the first day, you know, we got married to our wives, we loved them, you know, only so much, but after years of living with them, we loved them so much more. It's the same with Christ, we love him so much more that we're willing to die, and we talk about revelation, you know, the martyrs get a special crown for eternity that no one else will get. And probably all of the people listening to this radio won't get. But that we have an opportunity to get a crown for eternity to throw at Jesus' feet. Come on. You know, we only have one life to live. Let's live it. You know, people have to understand in the West that you need to, it's death before disobedience. 
I wish more people in the West would understand that. Mm, that's a good word. I, I love the analogy of the marriage because I think, you know, I've been married 28 years now and I love my wife with everything I had on the day we got married, but I have so much more now. I understand love so much more now. And I love that analogy that we should be growing that same way with Christ. We know him more. We love him more as time goes along. You know, it's exactly right, Todd. Like, I know, for example, you thought your wife was beautiful, but after all those years spending, you know, so you spent with her, you you find new things that makes her beautiful, new uh, memories that make her beautiful, new ways that even makes her beautiful. It's the same with Christ. Christ starts doing things that you fall in love with him. Like, he, you know, he's like, you know, I, I kind of say it like this, you know, he's like the perfect drug. Like, he is so intoxicating, you know, he is so awesome, he's so magnificent, so supreme. The only way that this can happen in people's lives, though, is that they need to get off the boat and walk on water. You need to risk and not be safe. You know, we must be sent out sheep among wolves. You know, if we play the safe Christianity, you will never fall in love with Jesus. Amen. I think that's a challenge, and especially for me, for for comfortable American Christians, uh, that's a hard that's a hard lesson, or that's something hard. We have a hard time letting go of our comfort. That's right. What are some other things that you see? And I want to go back to your leaders who were healed of COVID. What happened when they went back to their families, when they went to their neighbors and said, hey, I was in the hospital with COVID and then I had a dream of Jesus coming to me and now I'm fine. I don't even, I test negative now. Yes. Yeah, so right now, um, well, most all the leaders that had this, the two leaders that had this, their whole family already came to Christ. So everyone was very happy, you know, singing and dancing, you know, because once again, Iran has a lot of people dying because we can't even get vitamins. I know there's not medicine for COVID, but we can't even get vitamins. And so, one, they were very happy. Two, the two leaders left the next day. They went started going to the smaller towns and villages and started serving. They're like, Jesus told us to go. We're going. Bye. <laughs> Seriously, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you don't want to rest. They're like, no, we're fine. We got healed. We're out of here. Wow. It blew my mind. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you would act that way, and even you go back to the scriptures. The people who are healed, then they, they had to go. They had to go tell. They had to bring other people to see Jesus, and we That's should it. have that same attitude. That's it. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Ali. He is actively doing gospel work inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, Ollie, we always try to equip people to pray. And I mentioned the last time we talked, you requested prayer for strategies to deal with what all is happening in Iran. The Lord has answered those prayers. So I want to I want to say now looking forward, what what are the needs for us to pray for the nation of Iran as a whole, but also especially for the church and for the gospel workers who are active inside the country? Well, one is courage. You know, we do not press our leaders to go out. You know, we don't press the churches to go out. You know, it's a it's a very personal decision. 
you know, uh, to go out, to gather. We encourage, we recommend, but we don't force them. You know, however the Lord leads the local house church. So pray that the Lord will give us a spirit of courage, you know, the leaders a spirit of courage, you know, even to gather, you know, like it says in the word, we should not forsake the gatherings. There's something spiritual about the gatherings physically in homes or wherever that we really need people to have the courage to do it to do it wisely but to do it so pray that a spirit of boldness and courage comes upon the believers the leaders of the house churches that they'll gather again in their homes let's talk about the country as a whole i know one of our previous conversations you said hey don't pray for a new government in iran because god is doing amazing things with the government we have now how, how can we pray for the country as a whole? You know, pray that in this chaos, you know, I believe that chaos is the perfect grounds for the gospel. So in this perfect storm, like you've heard me say before, political unrest, social unrest, economic unrest, religious unrest, that the Lord will move, that the Lord would disciple these people so we can have mature Christians that will bring multiplication. You know, maturity brings multiplication and i've been in the country many years and i've seen the growth of the church of iran now i'm praying for mature a mature church of iran why because god is going to use iran and iranians to spread the gospel throughout the whole middle east and he is doing that uh, you know we see that in some of the surrounding countries talk a little bit about the languages how you know, Farsi is spoken not just in Iran, but it's also spoken in some of the surrounding countries and how that that is coming true, that, that Iranian Christians are spreading the gospel in some of those surrounding nations. Well, you have to remember, Todd, that Iran's the only country in the Middle East after Israel that speaks every language of the Middle East, including Hebrew. So, yeah, so we have Armenians, Assyrians, Arabs, Afghan. We have every major people group inside of Iran. Why? Because of the Persian Empire. So, yes, they might be speaking Farsi as a national language, but everyone speaks their local language. So we have Kurdish, you know, we have Azari, we have everyone inside of Iran. So this is why God has used Iran as a hotspot of the Holy Spirit, because once Iran comes to Christ, the rest of the Middle East will hear the gospel in their local language. Brother Ali, it is always such a privilege to hear from you and to hear your passion for what God is doing. Let me talk about you, and, and I know obviously we can't give too much information, but how can we pray for you? How can we pray for your family during this season? You know, um, God has opened up countries to us. You know, God has given us a strategy that's been battle-hardened for persecution. So the prayer I really would love the people listening to this would do for me is that God would show me the God doors and help me close the good doors. So I want the God doors, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, Iran's the fastest growing church. There's a movie called Sheep Among Wolves that's about, you know, what's happening inside of Iran. You know, there's a lot of attention happening inside of Iran. And now because of COVID, they're saying, okay, well, how are you guys doing ministry, you know, in a persecuted country? Because it's kind of like COVID right now, especially in the West. So many countries have opened up that they want us, they want the Iranian leaders to come and basically show them how we do ministry inside of Iran. So really, my number one prayer is, Lord, show me your doors and close the good doors. I love that prayer. I love that for you. I love it for me as well. And I think for all of us, Lord, 
Show us the doors that you're opening. Uh, help us to avoid the ones that are just good when we could have something so much better from you. Brother Ali, it is always such a privilege. I love having our conversations together. I love the fact that we get to share them with our listeners. We get to equip them to pray and uh, bless you, friend and brother. And thank you for sharing this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much, Todd. It's always a blessing and an honor to work with VOM. They're such a great partner. I miss you, sir, and I hope to see, we'll see you one day. I am so thankful for our brother Ali. I always enjoy the chances I have to converse with him and to fellowship with him. And I'm thankful for our brothers and sisters who are doing God's work inside Iran, in spite of the danger, in spite of the risk of arrest and torture and beatings and other hostilities. Will you pray for them this week? Pray for the nation of Iran. Pray for the church there. Pray for God's protection over his children in that country. And pray for continued fruitfulness for the work that they're doing. Next week, we're going to revisit one of the most powerful stories we've ever shared here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to hear how letters from VOM readers made a vital difference for an imprisoned pastor in Uzbekistan. That's coming up next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.